Welcome to Wheel to Wheel F1. I'm Noah Hicks, joined by Tanner Hicks and Lance Ellington and Liv and Gabby and Wesley and Mitchell, and it's a Megapod. And this is the British Grand Prix race reaction. We just saw Carlos Sainz take home his first Formula One victory, really killing the game for Ferrari. Had a, had a rough go of it for my guy Charles Leclerc. Stupid fun race. Everything happened. Mechanical failures, crashes, red flags, safety cars, just everything. But Tanner, any instant reactions? How are you doing? How are we all doing like this group of what, eight people? Seven, but good try. (laughs) I had so many different thoughts and feelings and and just ideas during the whole race. It was so much fun. There were so many, oh my God, he did it moments. And it just... I don't know. This was the best race of the season so far. I had a blast watching it. Lance, are, do you feel somewhat similarly? I, you guys have said it best. Like this may have been the best race of the season, almost certainly from start to finish. Absolutely loved it. Towards the end, we'll get into some of the fights of or between Leclerc and Hamilton going back and forth. And I went from just sitting on my couch to like getting in like a little crouched position, like standing on it, getting excited. My heart got going with the racing beautiful racing especially like to do what they did without crashes there at the end i thought was great really enjoyed it let's go to uh, wesley i want to hear your thoughts how, what are you thinking about the race and how was it this race had everything guys it had drama it had surprises it had a thing we haven't been able to say that finally happened and i'll let y'all get into that later so <laughs> schumacher in the points we can say it <laughs> He finally he did it. He did the thing. He, did he didn't even thing. do it by halves. <laughs> Heck, he he didn't only just do the thing. He pushed Max Verstappen up to the final lap, the final corner of the race, trying to overtake him for seventh place. Props to Schumacher. Finally sticking it in the points, getting four. It's oh, great. Yeah. We love to see it. Yeah. yeah no, I, there was, I was like, dude, you have points. Stop it. Stop it right now. <laughs> I was going for it. I was cheering him on. I was like, you've got this. I was terrified. I was, I was screaming at my laptop. I was screaming at Crofty. I was like, dude, shut up. You're not allowed to talk about Mick Schumacher getting points until he does it. <laughs> you have to follow our podcast rules, Crofty. Come on. Big, big wheel to wheel fan in Crofty. He needs to know. We couldn't say it until it happened. And now it has. Looking, though, back at another point of the race, there's so many points we can just jump around to. Is that crash at the start with Russell and – Albon and Joe and who else? Ocon was involved in it. There was like four or five different guys. Shout out to the safety. He's safe. Joe, they said he was conscious. They said no fractures. No idea how you walk away from that. And yeah, no clue. So that was a moment. That was another place where my heart kind of stopped. And I was like, oof. Well, we went a while without even seeing the crash. You know, we were were sitting here and we were like, so what exactly happened? Because you see it in the back of the image in lap one. When you're looking at the race leaders being like, oh, Lewis Hamilton, great start. Sergio Perez goes backwards. And then in the back of your eye, you see a car flipped upside down, sliding across the track. It's amazing that he's okay. Like, uh, no no words. And then, you know, George Russell got out of his car, tried to rejoin the race after that. (laughs) They were like, they took my car. It was unfair. (laughs) But (laughs) really fun uh, race like even without the crashes they we had because it was crashes in that turn one incident (laughs) there Mm. were two separate incidents you had 
Gasly barely touched George Russell, who then goes into Joe, who flips. And then you have Vettel hits the back of Albon, Albon, who hits the wall and careens across the track, taking out Sonoda and Ocon. Oh, it was chaos. It was it was pure chaos. And that's what this whole race was. And I, I couldn't ask for anything more. No, it was great. What was your hot take, Gabby? My hot take is I fully believe now that Joe is immortal because there is no way that you could go through that kind of wreck and just be like, oh, you know, my body's fine and I'm alive. So either shout out to safety or Joe's immortal. So. Both are very possible. Yeah, it, it's it's definitely on the table. Everything was, I don't know. It was so chaotic. It was so fun to watch. It's something that we haven't seen at all this season so far. And thank God everybody's safe because it really didn't look like they were going to be. I think the race directors, I think the broadcast did a really tasteful job of not making it worse than it could have been. Um, you know, usually it's a it's a hot topic when an injury or a big injury can happen or a big wreck happens. And I think the broadcast did a good job of keeping the audience behind closed doors almost think is a decent way to put it so i don't know hats off to everybody involved with silverstone that was that was fantastic yeah Yeah, i mean it was like what 10 minutes after the wreck had happened we hadn't even seen the fact that he went into the uh into the fence like i thought he just slid off and like ran into the barriers i had no idea he flipped over Over and ran into the fence and that was the moment that we were like oh wow no this was like way bigger than anyone thought it was because we never saw him hit the fence um and honestly just pure immortal immortality but also pure luck the fact that he hit you know car side down rubber side down is just one of the things that probably saved his life if he had gone into that fence with the halo up we'd be looking at a big different situation one thing i took away that i learned with with some tv coverage here is kept using the word conscious i was really surprised I was waiting for them to be like yeah we don't we don't know if he's like dead or alive but they used you know they were like is he conscious or and that was the word choice which to go off what you were saying, Tanner, was the tasteful way to do it. And obviously that just doesn't happen in other sports, you know, ever. So never hear something like that or hear broadcasters have to kind of navigate a tricky situation. But we have that massive crash. Everyone seems to be okay. We'll hear some more medical stuff probably come out. But initial no fractures for Joe was conscious throughout is what they were telling us. But then we have the restart, which was really fascinating because in that first pseudo lap that we had, you had to think for stop and go up into first. You had Hamilton take a dive and get high up. Signs lost his start. And then they're like, no, 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 that didn't happen. No, no. We're just going to ignore that, and we're going to reset the grid with the four drivers that are out at that point or the two or three drivers that were already gone. I don't fully get that. I'm sure some of our listeners don't fully understand that. Noah, Tanner, someone else, could. can you provide more color there? Do you know more than I about why we had to change where the cars were? Yeah, so essentially the the rule or the precedent that they had there is if there is a red flag in lap one before all cars have completed sector one of that lap, then they reset the grid order to how they qualified. Why they do that has a little bit to do with how, you know, the cars shake up, when the red flag happens, who lifts, whatever. It's it's chaos, right? And, and, And so I guess the decision was it's, easier to to re, to press reset uh and have another standing start and you know that, that gave us some excitement there afterwards we saw leclerc fighting with 
Perez and then Leclerc fighting with Verstappen. And um, it was fun. It was really good racing. Um, I was on the edge of my seat. That was not the only time I was on the edge of my seat for the whole race. So really fun time. That's what I know about the rule. Uh, there's probably some more color to be added there that I don't have, but uh, yeah. Yeah, no, it, it was a good one. Well, with that, I think, tell me if I'm wrong, but I think we're about ready to start unpacking some of those big takeaways, some of the results. We saw crazy results throughout the whole grid. Like we said earlier, Mick Schumacher finally did it. That's not to be ignored. It's not to ignore the fact that his teammate in a different Haas car, Kevin Magnuson, also finished in the points. Sebastian Vettel in an Aston Martin also finished in the points. It was crazy results from, from the top to the ground. Like Noah said earlier, Science finally grabbing that win after 150 races in Formula One. So, you know, couldn't be happier for everything. Hamilton in a Mercedes grabbed a podium. That's his 13th podium at Silverstone. So just so many cool things with all of the race uh, and the race results. Uh, Noah or Mitchell too. What do you guys what do you guys think about some of these results? I mean, Atari fan because that was just a terrible, terrible weekend throughout the entire, <laughs> entire pre practice qualifying. I mean, Pierre retired and then Yuki got 14th, which ended up being last. So that was just upsetting. Um, overall results, though, it was. I, we were talking about that podium was interesting. Having Sainz, Perez, and Hamilton, I don't think I was going to expect if you had had me pick three people to be on that podium. Right. Yeah. Uh, Ocon retiring right at the end there. There was just a lot. And you know, as the as the resident Ocon fan on the podcast, honestly, I. I was happy to take it. It made me really sad at the moment, but it allowed for some awesome racing at the end. Honestly, throughout the entire top 10, you had Hamilton, Leclerc, Perez all going at it. Alonzo and Norris taking big sniffs and big chunks out of each other throughout all of that. So that, it, it, you know, it made me sad, but it was, it made for awesome end to the race. No, I really had to watch Ocon fight for Stappen. Yeah. And not, and not wreck. That was my silver lining. (laughs) That was something we haven't even touched on is Verstappen ran into some puncture issues, couple multiple tire strategy stops in there. And then we see him going, having to battle back up through the points and through the grid, which is something we haven't seen a lot this year because he's been out front, you know, really only fighting with Leclerc or Sainz. So that's been great to see. And then going back, though, I want to take a look at qualifying because even then the weekend got excited from the start with the wet qualifying which was interesting. And we got to see a man that we give an extremely hard time to on this podcast. We do not, we're not nice about it. We say there are other guys who deserve seats in formula one. And regardless of the weather, the wet circumstantial Latifi made it into Q3 qualifying 10th, finishing the race in 12th, I believe. So got to give props where props are due for that Williams driver. Another thing coming out of qualifying Joe Guan Yu out-qualified Botas. I think this is three races in a row or three of the last four, something like that. So that's been really sucks that he went out with the crash early. We could have seen some really great points from him and great stuff if that wouldn't have happened. Don't know if there was anything else too notable. Russell, it ate a little bit lower. He has his first DNF of the season now. We've been saying it and giving him so much love for qualifying 
or get in top five every race this season, only guy to do so. And the streak has finally ended and he's regression towards the means there. Wesley, are there any other big takeaways that we haven't touched on? There's so much that happened. Yeah, I think the, the real winners of this race are the non-British people of the world. I think um, it was the perfect balance. I like to see Hamilton on the podium in his home race, but I think Crofty would have been completely unbearable uh, had Hamilton found a way to, to win this race. So it was the perfect, perfect balance for me. I think if you, you know, I'm, I'm cheering on George Russell this year. Sad to see him go out. But if you had had a situation where Norris, Russell, and Ham- Hamilton are all fighting there, uh, you know, I think that could have gotten to a point where there's definitely some homerism. I think at one point Brundle kind of put Crofty in his place because Crofty was reaching that, you know, Perez deserved a, a penalty there at the end. And I think it was pretty clear it was just good racing. <laughs> and, and Crofty, you know, and Brundle was kind of like, no, like, I think that's, you know, his racing line. And Crofty kind of backed off after that. So that, that's my takeaway is we, you know, it was bearable, um, the, the British uh, homerism this weekend. Oh, yeah, we know all about homerism on this podcast. We, we really embrace it here. But I mean, yeah, my biggest takeaway is M- Mitchell said it with the podium, the unexpected podium. So if we went into the race and you told me that we would have three drivers from three different teams score on the podium, I'd be like, all right, so probably Mercedes, Ferrari, and Red Bull. And those drivers would probably be Max Verstappen, Charles Leclerc, and George Russell. And we got the absolute flip side. So just like a very cool podium, not to mention Carlos Sainz's first race win. We had, you know, Lewis getting a, a home podium, which was, you know, great drive from him start to finish really exciting racing the whole time. I think he he really embraced the bouncing today. He he bounced his way into third place. So uh, good driving from him and, and Checo, you know, he had, he had damage and had to pit at the beginning of the race, falling into last place and then charged his way up, got, got pretty fortunate with the safety car there at the end from Alcon. And that allowed him to get, second place where otherwise he might have just finished like eighth ninth or something like that so you know great drive from him kind of fluky second place but a second place nonetheless so super fun race and and i'll say on that on checo the man just seems to always put in a performance when red bull needs him to we could be having a very different conversation even about i mean they've got a very solid lead in the constructors but yeah it was fluky but the man just doesn't make mistakes. And the fact that he was able to get up into second today really saved the day for Red Bull with Max having the issues that he did. That was a good way to put it, Wesley. Like, he, he doesn't make mistakes. He's consistent. He's there when you need him. And that's what Red Bull and that's what Horner specifically wants out of that second driver that they've been looking for so long now, right? Leading up until last year and then finally finding something in Checo with the team and with Max and seeing that continued this year. I want to take us back to our race preview episode, though, where we talk about some bets and we talk about what we look and where some surprises that may happen and what some odds that we threw out there. And one of them was Kevin Magnuson getting into the points. We did it early. We said we don't know what the odds were going to be, but we said probably plus 250 or longer, plus 300 something. Don't know what it ended up being, but he got in the points. We talked about a Lando Norris top six finish that happened. So those were two big hits that I want to call out. 
And then just looking at the finishes, we haven't even talked a ton on Fernando Alonso coming in fifth place with the Alpine. That was the battle, as you were mentioning, Tanner. Alonso and Norris going back and forth. Kind of going to be fighting, I think, for that fourth place in the Constructors' Championship between the two teams. And with Ocon's reliability issues and Ricardo, we can deal with that later. He's just <laughs> it's, I, it's disappointing. Those are the words he's disappointing. So those two number one drivers getting to go at it. What were you thinking there, Tanner? Were you, were you nervous Norris was going to come back there at the end of the race? I'm never nervous when it comes to my man, Fernando Alonso. <laughs> I'm getting some great reactions from the video right now. No, um, no, realistically, uh, and, and all jokes aside, I wasn't nervous. If anything, I thought Alonso was going to come into P4. I, I have everlasting hope and, and confidence in that man as a driver. And it, he sniffed, he, he, he got a few chances at Leclerc. He, he kept Leclerc honest for those last few laps after Leclerc gave it up to Perez and Hamilton. So it was an interesting one to watch for Alonso. I'll definitely say that. He got very, very fortunate with the timing of the safety car and McLaren deciding to delay Norris's pit stop under that safety car. Yeah. Lance, both of our favorite drivers had some odd decisions there on the safety car. I, I agree. I was uh, I was really hoping Norris. I was like looking at top four. I really was hoping he was going to pull out that fourth place and some odd safety car stuff. And he goes down to six. Because as much as maybe you weren't nervous about Alonzo getting passed by Norris, for majority of the race, if I'm not mistaken, Lando was holding him off, keeping him at the two second range. You know, go down to one point six, maybe a two point two. wasn't wasn't spreading it, but was definitely maintaining that and keeping him out of DRS. So that was the only reason I probably had a little bit more hope and was really pushing for my guy to, uh, to overtake Alonzo there at the end of the race. It was a good one. It was a good one. All right, boys. I think I'm ready to hear your checkered flags for this race. Uh, Noah, I'll let you go first. I, 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 know, I know you had some heartbreak with Charles Leclerc, but I think you got some something to be happy about. I do. And with the first checkered flag, we give it to the first place finisher, and Carlos Sainz, on his 150th race in Formula One, takes home his first race win at Silverstone. He qualified in P1. He had some moments throughout the race where it started to look in doubt. But the man had a clutch performance. He, his team had you know, good strategy for him throughout the race. And it really stuck for him. He honestly just so happy for the guy. He, he, he seemed a little giddy in the interview and, and the uh, on the radio after he won. He just finally uh, pulled home that win and couldn't be happier for the guy. And I think that's all of F1 fandom. So that's my checkered flag for this race. That's nice. I, I love to hear it. We can say Carlos Sainz has finally broke the seal. Lance, let's hear about let's hear about another guy who broke the seal. Let's hear your checkered flag for this race. My checkered flag is the one we've hit on earlier in this podcast. It's what we've been waiting for. It's what all of F1 fandom truly has been waiting for. I think more people are almost more excited for this than for Carlos Sainz is to see Mick Schumacher getting eighth place, coming home with four points for Haas, his first points in Formula One after, what is it? Is it the third season now in the sport? Second season. Second season. I think I heard the number maybe is 36th race, something like that. That was the three I was looking for. 36th race. And so really great. We're happy about it. I'm happy about it. Well-deserved. A quiet points 
he didn't get a lot of screen time until the end of the race, really pushing Max Verstappen, which is great to see. Who would have thought the days of a Haas car going right, you know, wheel to wheel, as they called it, with Max Verstappen, with the Red Bull. Love to see it. Well-deserved. And a little shout-out to teammate Kevin Magnuson for also getting in the points, getting some points there, and with uh, their battle with Aston Martin and Williams there at the bottom for that eighth place. It helps. It's helpful. Goes Happy along Fourth way. of July, right? Happy Fourth of July from F1 giant Haas, <laughs> the only American team on the grid. That's amazing. That's right. That's right. Well, with that, and I don't think my checkered flag quite measures up to the two drivers that you guys uh, spoke about, but mine is going to Sir Lewis Hamilton coming home with that podium for Mercedes. We talked about it earlier, as you know, that third team on the grid peeking into that podium. And we expected it to be somebody like George Russell to do it. But Lewis Hamilton, tried and true at Silverstone, comes home with P3, his 13th podium at this track. And he just, he, he doesn't quit. I've made so many jokes about him on this podcast, about him being over the hill. That's all blowing smoke. None of it is true. He's still a fantastic driver. And he really showed it today, especially with that battle towards the end with Perez and Leclerc, definitely competing in a car that, you know, is, is definitely slower than the, than the Ferrari and the Red Bull, despite any differences in tire strategy throughout all of that. So we got a lot of interesting stuff. Gabby, I know you have a big honorary checkered flag, and I, I, I want you to talk about it a little bit. I think the, the checkered flag for me has to be uh, the halo. Safety minute, you know, <laughs> we had a lot of wrecks, a lot of bad things happening. I love this sport, but for me, it can be really terrifying that uh, these guys are putting their lives on the line. And so just safety minute that uh, the safety engineers and the drivers and everybody ended up safe and can go home to their families and loved ones. So that's my checkered flag. Woo. Look Woo. at that. Yay for safety. Safety's Yay. Cool, minute guys. for safety. <laughs> <laughs> and that's the, that's the new segment we're going to bring in. Safety <laughs> minute with, with Gabby Cresswell on wheel to wheel. Safety first, baby. <laughs> But I also want to go around the horn here and go Wesley Mitchell and Liv. What are some honorable mentions that you guys have is that you guys want to call other drivers, incidents, reactions? We'll start with you, Liv. I mean, mine's 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 gotta be my my boy. My boy Lance Stroll started dead last and ended up nine places over. I'm just <laughs> I, I I have to give it to him. You know, I, I feel like I gotta give him some love every podcast that I'm here because he gets none from you guys. And I think that's rude. And he was the one who gained the most places from this race. I support because his name is Lance and I <laughs> love me a boy named Lance. <laughs> yep, yep. Checkered flag go to those who finish in T11. Yes, they do. <laughs> <laughs> All right, Mitchell, what you got? What's your honorary checkered flag? So I don't really have a, I might just have to add on to yours a little bit there, Tanner, with Lewis, because out of a day of, I mean, amazing driving. I think the moment that stood out to me as the most impressive was after the restart, after the safety car. Whenever Charles and Checo were fighting, uh, Lewis had and just insane dive through while they're like on the outside of the track, he cuts through immediately inside. And that was one of the most impressive moves I think I saw the entire race. So I just want to double up on Lewis today. He was just on fire. And I will go... A little bit of a joke because you guys have covered the big ones with uh, George Russell's 4-4-40 speed coming out to check on <laughs> Guan Yu Zhou. I think, I mean, joking aside, it is like a very human moment and, and cool to see that he had that that level of concern and really can't imagine being 
in a car that's watching that. It's one thing to watch it on TV, but to see it. Um, so good on George there. Don't know about trying to get back in the race uh, after your car's been, you know, put on a truck, but good, good, good on him for the, for the first part of that. They need to brush up on the rules, but he's a good guy. Good guy. Good, good, guy. Guy. good guy. Maybe good guy, George nickname, maybe taking over uh, Vettel's reins as the good guy on the grid in a couple years when we no longer see Vettel in F1, who knows? But I like it. I think Lance Stroll well-deserved. When a guy does make up, you know, nine positions lift, I do give it to you. We're, we're worth an honorable mention. We do need to probably talk about it more than we should. If if a different name might have been doing it, who knows? If, if Mick went from 20 to 11, we may have been raging a bit more. So you're right. But then maybe we just have higher expectations for him. But we've Lance gone through Stroll. some things. I just – yeah, we don't. I know. I don't. I'm trying to be nice. I don't know. <laughs> but let's get into some overreactions coming out of this race that I have. I want to get your guys' thoughts, Tanner, Noah, and the whole gang. We've done this one before. I'm going to try to phrase it a little differently. But moving forward, Hamilton has back-to-back podiums. Coming out of that safety car, we see them being competitive, him holding off Leclerc, passing press, having a car that is able to fight with Red Bull and Ferrari. So I believe, I don't know if they're going to be competing if uh, too much time has passed for the Constructors Championship. But on the rest of the races this season, I'm expecting Mercedes to be right up there with Ferrari and push Red Bull. And that's where I'm at. Is it an overreaction to think that their car is now to that point in this season? I'll start with you, Tanner. I'm pretty sure I answered this the same way last time uh, you asked this. Yes, it's an overreaction. I'm going to keep on saying it, that Ferrari and that Red Bull is in a different class compared to the Mercedes. It's quick and it's got a fantastic driver pairing behind them, but I don't think that we can realistically expect them to challenge them on normal conditions. You know, maybe something weird happens. Maybe Mercedes, not maybe, Mercedes will get more podiums throughout this season, whether that happens because of any wrecks, any reliability issues, or even any penalties that'll take place Uh, As we get further into this season, we will see them in the podium, but I don't think it's going to be a normal thing. I don't think I don't expect that to see to happen very often. Yeah. And the piggyback on top of that, you know, I don't think it's an overreaction. I really don't. I don't think that Mercedes are going to finish in P1 or P2 and constructors, but I don't think it's an overreaction to say I expect that I expect every uh, race here on to be a six car race. I, I, I expect that many cars to have potential to win because before this race, before this weekend, I wouldn't have said that the Mercedes under normal conditions had a chance to win. Right. Uh, but, but today we, we saw some weird conditions. Yes. But we, we saw them have a legitimate ch- chance to win legitimate chance to overtake a Ferrari on similar tire strategies. Like, I, I, I don't think it's an overreaction. I think they're here and they're back and it's going to be a fun rest of the season. I like it. I like it. I hope they're back too. The more cars we have battling for the top, the better, right? That's what makes racing great. That's what makes the sport great. That's what they've tried to do with regulations this year and it's helping out. My next overreaction is a guy I mentioned earlier, Daniel Ricardo. And I, I have some thoughts on there. Trying to figure out how I want to phrase this overreaction. I think I figured it out. Is it crazy for me to think that Ricardo is a bottom third driver on the grid, that he's in the bottom third? I was going to say he's an overreaction to say he's not a top 10, but I don't 
I don't even want to have that conversation. I'm jumping. Is he a bottom third driver? You're making some faces there, Liv. Is that an overreaction? I think it's actually legit. He's number 14 right now, and he doesn't seem to be gaining any points anytime soon. I think uh, both Yuki and Joe have had more opportunities for points and have had some different things happen to them, whereas Ricardo has been in every race and has qualified maybe poorly to decently every race and has just failed to finish in the points, failed to do well, whereas Lando Norris is miles ahead of him. So I think, yeah, I think he's in the bottom third. Not sure how much longer his contract with McLaren is going to last if he keeps giving us 16, 14, 13 place finishes while Lando's giving us. He got a podium this year already, right? Yeah, like six today, podium already this year. They need a better they need a better driver to match up with Lando. Danny is surviving on his personality alone this season. I will say the funniest Instagram post came about him today. <laughs> Absolutely. And yesterday when he hit Lando in the face with a bouncy ball. <laughs> absolutely (laughs) personality alone yeah i mean if you just the conversations y'all have had on the pod this year in terms of meeting exceeding and not meeting expectations if that's the conversation i think ricardo's had probably the worst year uh in terms of what his what he's done in his career to put him in the bottom third you know you got to put five or six say there's five or six drivers worse than him and outside of Goat Tifi, uh, you know, Mick had a good day today, but Mick's had a tough year. Maybe Stroll. I struggle to put, I mean, Alex Albon, I think, has outperformed his car. Uh, Joe Guan Yu has really come into his own. Yuki, I don't, you know, you can have, I mean, but yeah, in terms of the expectations game, he is losing it big time. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, straight up. Yeah, he's P14 in the driver's standings, driving a fourth place car. Yeah. Like, it, it's, it's as simple as that. He shouldn't be that low. And no, that's not an overreaction. It sucks, but like, that's not an overreaction. Yeah. I'm interested. Uh, no one, I didn't, no one took the turn and gave him a bunch of love or really backed him, which I think really goes to shows where uh, Formula One thinks about him. Cause I know we're all coming from different points of our fandom and different teams. So interesting. That's kind of the consensus. I also think he's good for the sport, so let's keep him around. Sorry if it's at your team's expense, but let's keep him around. (laughs) He makes Lando look good. We'll take it. He does. That's my biggest reasoning for uh, for asking this overreaction about Ricardo is because just the comparison to him to Lando is just not even there, and they're driving the same car, and that's the biggest tell, I think, of a driver on their capabilities because sometimes it can be a little hard when you have – Sebastian Vettel and Aston Martin so we know he's great because of previous things but you got to have the car to compete and I don't know my last overreaction this just may be more of a conversation that I want to have this weekend we had a wet qualifying and it was beautiful and things got mixed up and really enjoyed it and then we had a sunny race is that the best combination for a Formula One weekend is that an overreaction a wet qualifying on intermediates and then a sunny race so we mix up the grid but then we still allow for great racing or what is the perfect pairing there? Tanner, you're making faces. I'm going to give the answer that nobody wants to hear. It depends. Um, <laughs> oh, oh, the worst. Yeah, yeah, screw off. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. No, it, it, it's not fun to, to say that for Silverstone. Yeah. It, it was amazing. It was so much fun. We got some crazy qualifying results and we got some crazy race results too. That said, 
That only happened because Silverstone is a track where overtaking is a real possibility. At some tracks, it, uh, that's not always the case. So you might not get anything special happening on race day. Today, we absolutely did. Yesterday with qualifying, we absolutely did. For, so for this weekend, for this race, number one combo. Yeah, it was, it was awesome, but it, it depends. I think in terms of like just having fun and watching the drivers be able to do a lot of different things. Yeah, it's great. Uh, seeing it, seeing a, the same track in different environments and how drivers are able to, to deal with that variability is really fun. But I don't know if it's the best way to gauge who's the best driver. Makes for fun racing. Exactly. Yeah. Makes for fun racing, but <laughs> maybe not the best. Rain's always a good thing to throw into racing. I mean, until it's really bad, until there's a big safety incident, but <laughs> it mixes up the grid. It gets people out of the way. You know, we have some drivers that are really good wet racers. We have some that are not very good at all and will run off the track every time. And it's really just fun to see that get mixed up. And I was really happy to see Carlos Sainz pole position this 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 uh, this season and uh, Latifi get into top 10, literally because he was first out on the track and qualifying when it was raining. And that was basically the only reason. Yeah, rain always just makes strategy matter that much more. And that happens not only during qualifying, like Liv said, but also tire choice at the start of this race. That's why we had so much chaos because we had some really interesting tire selections. Some drivers going on softs, getting awesome starts and some drivers like George Russell going on hards and just getting passed and passed and passed at the very beginning of the race. So it, it made for a crazy weekend. Thinking about races from last year and just back in time, I think a race, the way I would like the weather to go, if I, if I could wave a wand and this would be for every race or most tracks would be, we start sunny and then it rains in the middle 20 to 30 laps. And then it goes back and it clears up and sunny and zaps the water and you get back on slicks. Cause then you're adding in just the most chaos, the most strategy you're having you know, the drivers are being tested in multiple ways. So that's what I would be here for on a race day. Noah? Well, maybe you can't wave the wand, but I mean, what are we paying our weather specialist Tinderbox Tanner <laughs> for if he can't wave a wand and dictate how the weather's going to look every weekend, you know? Listen, man. You worked so hard to get him these nicknames and you'd think he could just get a little rain if we asked for it. It can't be that complicated. You I think. I do my best. I need to, I need to create a new algorithm and Britain <laughs> needs to just be a part of it. Um, the yeah. forecast isn't always accurate, uh, but yeah, no, rain's always so much fun. And, you know, if we get scenario, like Lance was talking, we get guys like, you know, expert driver, Nikita Mazepin, knowing a lot about the clouds in Russia. <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah. Great. It's a, it's a real thing. <laughs> you can't get away from him. You cannot. You know, I, I will say kind of call back to last season. I am anti-rain. I don't want to see rain on a track. And the reason is, you know, we watched Lando in the race last season and he's so close to that win. And that dumbass rain came and Lance and I cried for hours and hours about it. So I am anti-rain. I think that's a great point. And on the wet qualifying, Let's talk about the Spaniard, Carlos Sainz, out-qualifying several people from very, uh, let's say, countries with pretty terrible weather, uh, <laughs> whether that's the, the Brits in their home race or Max Verstappen really struggling on the wets. Yeah. I mean, come on, man. You don't live in a place that rains, you know, 80% of the year for nothing. Uh, so props to Carlos on that one. 
all these jokers trying to live in Monaco so that it can have a higher <laughs> quality of life with their weather. Come I, on, improve your racecraft. I think, yeah. I will say that with Monaco, I think it's weather, plus there may be some tax implications there, if I'm not mistaken, <laughs> but we don't got to talk about that. Think about your racecraft, Max Verstappen. That's all I'm saying. I don't know. It seems like it's high time we take a hard-nosed stance against the rain. I, I'm with Gabby. No. <laughs> Too we interesting. Too much fun. I, I think the story arc is for Lando to get his first race win in the rain. Come full circle with it. <laughs> Lose your best opportunity during the rain and come back and, uh, and win one in it. I don't know if yeah, my heart I mean, We had a couple drivers who did go full circle during quali with their spins. So <laughs> That was pretty impressive to watch. That was pretty wild to see them and have that control and just be right on track as if it, they were meant to. You know, I think Leclerc and Verstappen both dealt with it. We've got to mention, too, the synchronized spins. Uh, and maybe Mitchell would like to uh, to speak on the beautiful scene we saw there. Yeah. Uh, talking about whenever uh, Yuki and Pierre had a spin out after, I believe, Yuki hit Pierre, like the collide with him. They had a absolutely beautiful synchronized spin. Uh, I really believe that Constructors Championship should include style points. <laughs> so... You know, it wasn't a perfect landing. I think Yuki maybe didn't finish the full spin, but it was close. I really think we should add some style to constructors. It's about team chemistry, and they have it. How many other teams do you think could have a synchronized spin? None. None. I'm not just saying this. On top of that, Yuki had it. But, you know, (laughs) you're not going to talk about that. I appreciated after that spin that they immediately cut to Yuki's uh, radio of him just like cursing out Gasly when it was absolutely Yuki's fault. (laughs) (laughs) Well, we're not going off of, uh, you know, like courtesy or etiquette. It's just (laughs) our style. Absolutely. We'll we'll add a style point standings and we'll start working on that. (laughs) I think Alpha Tauri takes home our style point checkered flag for today. (laughs) Big Max for stopping vibes to uh, cuss out the... (laughs) <laughs> the person who did not cause the crash big max vibes <laughs> also max vibes during his, the whole race when his car had like a minor amount of damage and he really tried to convince his race engineer that he needed to retire <laughs> he was like the car's broken and they were like you have damage you're fine and he was like it's broken doesn't work it's not driving well can't drive it i'm really glad you said that Liv, because i had this thought during the race watching it you know and hearing max on the radio these great drivers, Lewis, Max, and these others, when they have minor issues and they have to be back, not even like in 20th, but like in 10th or 12th or 8th, immediately they're just like frustrated. Like everything is going wrong. The world's ending. The sky is falling. And we give Lewis a lot of crap for, you know, wanting to retire earlier. And then he went on to get like fourth or fifth in that race. So I don't know. What do you got, Tanner? Yeah, I mean, there's a reason Drive to Survive works, and it's because <laughs> all of these drivers might have well might as well be called the Real Housewives of Formula One. <laughs> I like yeah. it. No, I'm I'm telling you, Verstappen knew nothing was wrong with his car, and I love Verstappen. Big fan of him. I think he's great. I love Dutch people. I'm all about the directness, all about it. But the real reason that he's on the radio saying I gotta retire, I gotta retire, is because he knew he was coming in lower than five, and Homeboy did not want a lower than five finish. <laughs> He didn't want to lower than first. He wants to keep that, that do not finish or first place. And that's all he wanted. And he was going to finish seventh. And he was like, can't do it. Sorry, car's broken. Can't do it's it. It's broken. I got to quit. I got to go. My in. car doesn't drive in seventh position. Come on, guys. 
Absolutely. He didn't know there was that many cars on the grid. He was like, wait, what? <laughs> There's 20 of us? I, I only other see like two during the race. Hang on. So I do score points if I finish an eighth. <laughs> It's like Lewis asking, he's like, wait, I get points for 10th? Are you serious? <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> Real thing that was said, unironically, from Lewis Hamilton. <laughs> That's what makes the sport great. We got fast cars, we got great drivers, but they all have such personalities and they're more than willing to show them on live TV that's internationally broadcasted. <laughs> on the personality point, I want to talk about how underrated the moments, like the camera work during a red flag, because you really get to see, like we see these guys in interviews and stuff, but that's not when they're on, right? And so we see these guys right after there's been a wreck, right at the start, and everyone just handles it differently. And I love seeing that. I love, you know, Lewis is sitting up there with his engineers, listening to music. Charles is like pondering the world's problems off in a corner by himself. Like Fernando's just like mean mugging it in the middle of the garage, like with no one around. I mean, you really get to see the variation. I I love it personally. It was a good time. I mean, just to add a few, we had Daniel Ricardo just jamming out, hanging, going nuts, sick head bob for for Danny Rick. We had Esteban Ocon try and share a granola bar with a race engineer. (laughs) (laughs) just all over the place for these drivers we had latifi looking at his start thinking that it's going to help him on the next start which was just very funny to me (laughs) what do you guys what do you guys think daniel ricardo was listening to what's the song that you think that that had him just all jazzed up vegas by doja cat (laughs) (laughs) probably the star spangled banner this weekend we know how much danny rick loves america definitely some tea swizzle on on those headphones Speaking of thoughts on what's actually going on, anybody got any suggestions for what Tom Cruise was saying to Hamilton at the end of the race? Any thoughts? You could teach me how to do that. <laughs> I, think it was, I think it was more, so when I was driving my plane for Top Gun, <laughs> I had to make my hairpin turn. How do you think you would do that in, in the plane? Do you, do you think you could? Because I'm not sure. Yeah, yeah. Having some real big uh, G-forces conversation and having that. What I want to know is, does Lewis want to be Tom Cruise more than Tom Cruise wants to be Lewis Hamilton? <laughs> Which way does it sway? Who wants to be who more? Because I feel like they both kind of envy each other in that way. It's the old saying, you know, any, every rock star wants to be an actor. Every athlete wants to be a rapper kind of deal. I have to go Lewis wants to be Tom Cruise more simply because I think Tom Cruise already thinks he is Lewis. <laughs> <laughs> accurate accurate but but i think he wants that all the time right like he's an adrenaline junkie and um, imagine having your job be an adrenaline junkie and he tries to emulate that with his acting and he's just like you know why don't i just drive formula one cars i think tom cruise wanting to be lewis takes the cake yeah well maybe maybe lewis angela and tom cruise can go skydiving together When have have we seen Lewis Hamilton on a, you know, a movie set with Tom Cruise? Maybe it's happened, but not, not nearly as often as uh, he's in there with between Toto and Lewis or whatever in the Mercedes. Strong points. Firm, firm belief that Tom Cruise wants to be Lewis Hamilton because hot take Lewis Hamilton is far more attractive than Tom Cruise. Oh yeah. I support that. Well, I mean, height's never not a, not a conversation between these two. Usually, Tom Cruise takes a knock because of his height. Now he's compared to Lewis Hamilton. I mean, 
We love short kings. Apples to apples. <laughs> it's to be like you're asking we love people short who kings. don't who don't date short who don't date tall people at all. <laughs> tall people are overrated, says the five eleven. <laughs> this has been a really fun podcast, and I'm happy to keep going. What are some other reactions? Or are there any closing thoughts sitting here around the British Grand Prix for 2022 with all the excitement that we did have? Any any other thoughts you got there, Noah? Haas scored double points. I, I still can't wrap my mind around it. They got everything right today. They had a bad quality yesterday, but got everything right on race day, which just hasn't happened this year for both cars. And I, I, I'm still in shock. I, I don't have much to say about it other than well done, Gunther Steiner. Agreed. Agreed, yeah. And then two guys that we haven't give, given nearly enough love to for having strong races, Lando Norris and Sebastian Vettel, sixth and ninth. Um, both really strong results for both of those guys, and they definitely deserve their credit where maybe we haven't gotten it to them yet. I want to mention one thing about Alex Albon. I'm pretty sure he got airlifted to a hospital with four routine checks, um, but the fact that he was helicoptered into a hospital is really concerning, um, which is really surprising. It didn't look like he took a harder hit, but at the same time, he probably had a little bit more G-forces from his neck being thrown around like that. Um, so that's concerning, but also like good on the safety engineers for making sure they get out and they get to an ambulance and some, some EMT care as soon as possible. Safety huh. is cool. Safety minute. Love safety minute. I think <laughs> you guys covered about everyone uh, who else, like you said, got to give Vettel that love for stopping in seventh is what it is. He's, I could say this is going to make him hungrier, but I don't think he can get much more hunger than he is. He's such driven to, to win and be first every race. So expect him to be back on the podium at the very least moving forward. Yeah. I guess one thing we haven't talked about is well at lane is how Ferrari cost Charles Leclerc more points for the umpteen time that. Well, then they would have, sucks. I, I don't want to get deep into this, but they would have had to double stack signs and Leclerc uh, at least to an extent for that pit under the safety car. So it, it's, it's a mixed bag. I see where you're coming from. It would have been close. You're right, but uh, uh, uh. <laughs> at least you can blame it on the double pit where McLaren, I, I don't really know what, what was happening there and why it took so long for Lando to go get those new tires. Yep. Well, was- I really enjoyed doing this Megapod, having us all talking, sitting around. It's a great race to do it for. There's so much excitement and so many different parts to get in. So it was really needed to get into all the dif- different perspectives. So thank you guys for joining. We appreciate it. I hope you guys had a lot of fun being on it. Megapod. well we got the race preview up before this so if you just want to hear more of us and hear what we thought going into the race now knowing the results be sure to go check that out we'll be back with the race preview and looking forward race preview in austria coming out early this week as always we appreciate you listening if you want give us that five-star review really appreciate it to catch all the latest from us follow us on twitter at f1 wheel to wheel thanks again and that's the checkered flag for today We'll see you next time on the Wheel to Wheel F1 podcast.